the Exton Moss Experiment. Adventures in Wine and Space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Episode 31. Doctor Who. Day of the Doctor. Hello everyone and a very, very warm welcome to the latest edition of the Exton Moss Experiment. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And it's a very happy 56th birthday to Doctor Who. Happy birthday. So we've decided that we'd do a special anniversary episode for Doctor Who. Any excuse, frankly. And today's offering is the Day of the Doctor from 2013. Now I am um, of no shame whatsoever in admitting this instantly became my favourite ever episode of Doctor Who and remains so. I love it. I'm not sure I'd say it's my favourite ever. I think it's absolutely wonderful. I went to see it at a big uh, big screen showing in Middlesbrough because that's where I was living at the, at the time. I was really surprised the number of people that turned up in absolutely fantastic <clears throat> cosplay. It was a wonderful atmosphere in the, in the cinema. I've seen it. A load of times since I still find it incredibly enjoyable. On the back of this, we've had the War Doctor stories from Big Finish, which are very good. On the back of that, we've had the War Master stories from Big Finish, which to my mind are some of the best things yeah, that Big are. Finish have ever done. That four War Master stories really drag you in. The interplay between him and the, the companion that he picks up. And you start thinking, why is the master doing this? He's never had a companion before. Why has he got the, this bloke tagging along with him? Why does he seem to be helping him? What's going on? And then it's all made clear in the final one. Yeah. And you understand that the, the master has been playing a long game in the, the way that you got the feeling that Delgado did and Ainley never really yeah. did. Ain, Ainley's plans were generally fairly ridiculous and fell apart at the first hurdle. Delgado came across as more as the sort of scheming Moriarty mastermind in the background, uh, stroking his beard and going, <laughs> Jacoby's master's my favourite. I think that he's, he's even beaten Delgado in terms of... Because Delgado's got the look and he's certainly got the mannerisms. But if you... He's still sort of the moustache-twirling villain, whereas... Jacoby's master, we've got that scheming, immaculately dressed, have a sip of tea while all the time he's plotting how to not only kill you, your entire planet, and suck the rest of the universe down with you. Yeah, he's a, he's a smile at your face while stabbing in the back. Mm. I'm really torn because I love Delgado. Oh, he's everybody does. Wonderful yes, there's nothing bad to say about him at all. Um, the original, is he the best? Because... Jacoby is is just wonderful, but he's on he's actually on screen for such a short period of time in proper Doctor Who that I don't think he has the the screen time to become a favourite. I think his time. I love in- Missy. I think Missy is a wonderful guy. I know we talked about this yeah, before, yeah. and you have your issues. I think she is brilliantly done as a character. Wonderful. As a version of the master, less so. But no, as a character, wonderfully done, wonderfully executed and wonderfully written. I've just got quite a bit of problems with her being the master, but that's it. It's a pity she was gone, but I enjoyed her story and how hers came to an end. I don't think we've seen the last of that character somehow. No, I I suspect not. And 
Isn't there talk about Big Finish doing some? They've already done this. Oh, yeah, I've not heard any, but yeah, it's it's already been done. Because and there's been talk of multiple master stories. Again, they've done them, uh, including with Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts has been in a few now, which I've not heard yet, but I am intrigued. Hmm. So this, it's all kudos to Big Finish. They've really, really stretched the envelope and done some interesting stuff. Not all of it works, but they have at least gone there while they've got the chance. I, I have always said that when Big Finish do something well. They do it very well. You know, my issues with their, with their writing and uh, I think they, they are overfishing a very small pool um, and I'd like to see them branch out and get some, some different writers working with them. Before we drift too far off topic into the realms of Big Finish and all the spin-offs from the 50th anniversary episode, we should probably watch the anniversary episode. However, before we do... We should probably have a tonic screwdriver We should. Let's get the top off that gin bottle. What have we got for today? It's another one of your sampler gins. It is, from my lovely little sister. Um, And we have a Dartmouth gin, um, which has... Juniper, rosemary, lavender, citrus fruits, grains of paradise, cardamom, and cubeb berries with bits of licorice, rose, lavender, grapefruit, rosemary, scots pine, and kefir wine, uh, lime leaves. So there's a hell of a lot gone into that. Is there anything not in it? I'll just turn around and say it's delicious. It's, um, it's not a five. It's not a, an instant hit, but that's a very, very high four. That's lovely. Mm. Considering everything that's gone into it, it's a bit I can't taste any of that. I just get, I'm just it's, getting the flavoured gin. You can tell it's a, tell it's a gin. It's, uh, it's. I don't think it's anything particularly special. To be perfectly honest, it's nice. Yeah, so it's, I'll, I'll, I'll force it down. No, I'll, I'll drink it. And I'll drink it happily. Um, it's a it's a safe three for me. It's eminently drinkable. Uh, well, pick up your glass. Come on, we'll go down to the bowels underneath podcasting house and see what we can pull out of the black archive this week. Welcome to the Black Archive, everyone. This is our cavernous interior underneath where we record these podcasts, where we have the the entire complete catalogue of everything that's ever been committed to film, which we are going to select something for you, the lucky listeners tonight, to return to the public domain. And because we're on a Doctor Who, I'm going to select a Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go a little bit off kilter tonight, if you'll pardon it. I'm going to select the Highlanders. Largely because nobody really loves the Highlanders. It's not one that I've come back to time and again. I've got the audio and the recon, of course. I would like to see that reappraised. It's Jamie's first story, second story with Patrick Troughton as the Doctor. One of those little overlooked nuggets of Doctor Who that no one ever mentions, and when they do, it's sort of, yeah, it's all right. It's not oh, yes, good. and there's the Highlanders too. And, you know, it was the end of a, a noble tradition. It was the last, it was the last, last historical. historical until Black Orchid. As far as I'm concerned, there's lots going for it. And I don't remember listening to it last time I put it in and, and being in any way unentertained by it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's another one that suffers by having very, very little in the way of um, visual material. Visual material. Yeah. So I, I guess the Highlanders probably used to be thought of in much the same way as the Smugglers but, uh, until we got the Australian sensor clips. Mm. But now you can get a feel of what the Smugglers might have looked like Whereas there's very, very little surviving material from the Highlanders, isn't there? Isn't there a bit of foot tensing as they're about to be hanged? Something. It's 
tiny, uh, tiny there, little there are, snippets. Barely seconds yeah, worth. Micro fragments. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that will be my choice, uh, largely because I, I just think it's worth reappraising. Yeah, I, I tend not to think of the Highlanders, and considering it has my favourite companion team, uh, Ben and Polly, and my favourite Doctor. The other thing about the Highlands is I, I, I always look at it and think, how much better would it have been if they hadn't introduced Jamie as a, a character? And don't get me wrong, I, I like Jamie as a character. I think Fraser Hines is an excellent actor, but I love the Ben and Polly combination and adding a fourth regular in yeah. just meant that they were tripping over each other. Mm-hmm. By the time got past the faceless ones, Ben and Polly had left, it was Jamie and either Victoria or Zoe. He, re- he really came into his own he was a brilliant companion at that point but I would love to have seen some more pure Trout and Ben and Polly yeah I agree personally I've been revisited some of the stories over that first season recently there's just nothing for three regulars to do even in a six part classic serial there's nothing for three regulars or three companions to do which we've commented on off times now that by the time you get to the Davison era the crowded TARDIS as it's known now and the Jodie Whisker era, where they, for some inexplicable reason, pack the TARDIS out with companions, none of whom have a fully fleshed out character after 11 episodes. So, yeah, three companions way too much, even in those days. The only three companion team that really worked... Ian, Barbara, Ian, and, Barbara Susan. and Susan. And um, But that's because Susan was fairly useless for the most part and was just there to get rescued. So she, she was more responsible for driving forward plot rather than resolving mm-hmm. it so it, it was always oh Susan's got herself captured so one of the other three has to go and sort that out and it was kind of like three adults and a kid Vicky to a lesser extent okay they get they she had very little to do in almost all of her stories but she wasn't the constantly being captured and needing rescuing mm-hmm. either and any more than any other companion is so my choice for the um for the Black Archive. In previous episodes, we've covered most of the ones that I would sort of gravitate towards picking. But one I would love to see, and we haven't discussed until now, is the Abominable Snowman. No, we haven't. Um, I love the Web of Fear. Um, I am so happy that that's back, Annie. It really hasn't disappointed. The episode that we have and the visual material that we have for the Abominable Snowman make it look fantastic yeah it's Abominable Snowman again it's one of those curious ones that I always in my head for years thought it was a four-parter I'm always vaguely surprised when I find I remember it's a six-parter it doesn't seem to drag as much as you might think for a a 66-parter and it comes complete with eye candy who? Tomney I'd have to look that one up and agree with you or disagree the husband of Victor Pemberton Gosh, even looking at it from my perspective, Victor Pemberton pulled him. Good grief. The power of the pen. Almost. <laughs> Great setup lines of our time. <sighs> it's not often I point out eye candy, but Tomney is point outable. It does that, is that the one with the, the great line about people spend all that time making nice things? Remind no, me that's Enemy of the World. That's Enemy of the World. What's the one from. Uh, there is a, a great line from Abominable Snowman. I can't remember what it is, but it's such a sweet line. Um, it, are you thinking of the one where the Doctor's in the cell and it's the whole, nobody's been listening to me and I've been trying to explain what's going on, so I would like you to stop and listen to me? It's not ringing any bells. 
There is a lovely line in Abominable Snowman anyway, but uh, the Abominable Snowman and the Highlanders return to you, you lucky people. And without further ado, we are back on the leather sofa, top to the gills with gin. It's time for a revisit of the 50th anniversary episode of Doctor Who, The Day of the Doctor. I went to see this at the cinema in 3D and it was, oh, it sent a bloody tingle up the spine seeing a high-res version of the original sequence in 3D with the logo coming out to meet you. This short opening sequence is littered with references. There's uh, 5.16 on the clock. Uh, I. Chesterton is one of the yeah. head of the governors. It's W. Colburn is one of the others, the headmaster. Oh, now that was a nice It was, shot. wasn't it lovely? Motorbike straight into the TARDIS from the outside and we follow it in. See, Moffat's coming for a lot of criticism over his tenure. But the thing that, and I've said this before again, um, that screws it down for me is what he did for the 50th anniversary. Now, if you look at this episode... Really, there's everything in there as a nod to the past and tying up loose ends that you could possibly wish for. And this just looked incredible on the big screen. Take Nethbridge Stewart, a word to the wise, and I'm sure your father would have told you, I don't like being picked up. Now, geek bit of trivia, there's that TARDIS was that's the first and only time it was ever used, I believe. It's a steel TARDIS. Because you've got Osgood's uh, scarf there. It's something we'll come on to in a future podcast about the Eighth Doctor. Now, McGann is my favourite Doctor and remains so. We had to wait 17 years for a regeneration. Stephen Moffat sorted it out as part of the 50th. A nice little surprise, a seven-minute mini-episode. The whole Christopher Eccleston regeneration, all mopped up and tidied up. The Doctor's number of regenerations, all tidied up. And he squeezed as much into this anniversary as it's realistic to get. Also known as Gallifrey Falls. It's an oil painting. Oh, wow. Some beautiful 3D shots. I've had many faces, many lives. I don't admit all of them, there's one life I've tried. Very hard to forget. What a coup to get John Hurt. He said in an interview that he wasn't going to do it, but his wife said, you have to do this. You'll regret it if you don't. Of General, as played by Ken Bones. Now, my own personal theory on this, having oh, listened to... Oh, thinking that uh, was Alistra. That is Cardinal Alistra, because it's... He's never named on screen. And in uh, Hell Bent, when he regenerates back into a woman, he said that was the, the only time I've ever been a man. Daleks of Skara. Too long I have stayed my hand. Today 
you leave me no choice. Today, this war will end. No more. No more. John Hurt is blissful to watch in this. For those of you who haven't heard the War Doctor audios by Big Finish, they're well worth listening to. In the very first one, because it's, it's shown in Night of the Doctor, he regenerates into a very young John Hurt. Hmm. Obviously, by this time, he's aged, and in time, Lord years, that's uh, a long time. But in the first War Doctor audio, he's caught up in the blast of a time destructor. It's never explained, it's never referred to, but I'm just wondering whether that's sort of part of what ages him up to this. Or whether he's really just been around that long. It was pointed out before this was even screened that his costume is a logical halfway point between McGann and Eccleston. Yeah. It's a credit to Billy Piper how well she plays this part. Yes, very different to Rose. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, if you think about all the talk there was when she first got the post, uh, the um, job as Rose, and what does she know about acting? How good she going to actually be? She's not had any major roles before, and she she held her own as Rose, and gets to the point where she holds her own against John Hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I got asked on Radio Lancashire whether what I thought about Billy Piper being cast before the first. I said I'm going to reserve judgment. Everybody said she's this sort of teeny bopper thing, but my view then was much the same as it is now. They're not going to gamble all that money on somebody that's just going to be crap. Didn't one of that? Didn't that interview go out on one of the earlier podcasts? Yes, it did. Yeah. Might even have been the Rose podcast. Irritatingly, the policeman is not listed even on IMDb. It's got a body double for the eighth doctor, but uh, that's about it. It's not one for now, but just try that. I'm saving it. Oh, what's that? Batch. 57% from Burnley. Nice. Not bad, is it? There you go, Your Majesty. What did I tell you? Also, in difference to previous uh, appearances on screen, they've actually got the old TARDIS prop out for the Tenth Doctor rather than just pretending that uh, one prop will do for all of them. Nice little touches. Hmm. The Zygons, it was a nice little touch to bring them back, I thought, but they're one of those breed of monsters where they're only in one classic story and yet they've just been remembered so vividly. You can't believe that they've not been in more. And it's also a testament to the design that it's barely altered for this. This is where. I was about to say, this is where the five-ish Doctors ties in and leads you to believe that all the former Doctors are hidden under the shrouds. 
heed your shell-like wonder very, very well. Who is this man? This is what I was wondering. A very skinny. That is proper skinny. I've never seen it from the outside. It's like a special effect. Boy, <laughs> magic man. Do you like that frock coat? Yes. How can you forget this? Hey, hang on, it's not my fault. You're obviously not paying enough attention. Reverse the polarity. That's a nice explanation. Again, it's full of little explanations. You're not paying enough attention. Yeah. Therefore, I can't remember. Good afternoon. I'm looking for the doctor. Oh, of course. Are you his companions? His companions? They get younger all the time. Well, if you could point me in the general direction of the doctor. <laughs> Look of disappointment. Your Both of you? Yep. In that one? Yes. You're my future selves. Yes. Am I having a midlife crisis? <laughs> Why are you pointing at screwdrivers like that? They're scientific instruments, not water pistols. Doctor, what's going on? It's a uh, uh, timey-wimey thing. Tiny what? Timey-wimey? I've I no idea where he picks that stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> You see, this is the tipping point where the comedy ends and the seriousness begins when they're locked in the tower and it all gets a little bit grim. I love this scene, I think it's wonderful. And I love his screwdriver as well, it's my favourite Sonic, the War Fair Doctor. Enough. The whole of the tower is TARDIS proofed. Really wouldn't approve the connection. But you let me in. You have a top level security rating from your last visit. Sorry, my what? Apologies. We have to screen all his known associates, can't have him. I do like the fact that all the previous companions are on the wall, including Grace. Chameleon, Nissa. And in interesting mixes as well, so there's the Sarah Kingdom and Mike Yates. Oh dear. When she was in mid transformation. Yeah. Don't you think she looked like Theresa May? Oh, I was really trying not to think that. Oh, bloody hell. Did you ever count? Come on. How many children there were on Gallifrey that day? That, unfortunately, That's is a very good. obvious piece of cemented in prop. Hello. I lose track. It's quite funny, we're supposed to be doing a commentary on this and haven't said anything for the last 20 minutes or something. And that's the trouble with really, really good Doctor Who. It draws you in. It just occurred to me this is and This is why I've got complete respect for any team of people that are brought in for a commentary. And I believe it's a reasonably common thing that they're brought in and they just dry up, they stop saying things and reminiscing and start watching what they're supposed to be commentating on. It's not, it's not difficult to understand why. Sorry? What kind of software then? 
another thing it's another one of those episodes that's beautifully filmed and directed I know they've spent a bit more money on this one but well, it's a lot more you could, it's really really nicely done mm. isn't that crystal ball thing on the TARDIS console in Rose and he's tossing it about or something don't know to be honest Oh no, this is lovely, this. When the TARDIS glitches. Look at all the sets they've erected just for this fractional moment. <laughs> nice little heart right there. You never do. Listen, we're going to the National Gallery. Does I go through underneath it? No, you need to keep this under the All this Zygon stuff is giving a real massive build-up. Mm. And then, almost without noticing, it's completely dropped. I thought for ages that the top parts of that time rotor, the console, was CGI. I didn't realise it, it was an actual practical prop. Susan, Ian, Barbara, Polly, Ben, Fish Eye, and Sarah. <laughs> Never sound the TARDIS makes that wheezing, groaning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, little nod back to Uncle Terence. Tardises. It's a lovely touch. It's a tiny little thing, but it makes all the difference. Why is there a colossal tractor tire in there? It's so incongruous on Gallifrey. But is that Gallifrey? Yeah, it's the Doctor's house. It's referenced later on that it's basically the house where he grew up. This has not inspired me to go on. Re-listen to the War Doctor audios. Just to hear some more of him. You don't have to do it alone. It's such a pity Christopher Eccleston didn't come back for this. Now, I must admit, I can't see him being in the Time War. I can't see him being the one that pushes the button. (laughs) Because it's clear in Rose that he's just regenerated. The whole, I can't see Paul McGann doing this, has never really hit home for me. There was a, a story doing the rounds that the Christmas special um, that was floated about What's happening? was uh, it was going to be called the Three Kings. Okay. It was going to be Eccleston, Tennant, and Matt Smith, which would have been nice.
Good to know my future is in safe hands. <laughs> oh, a couple of nice little nodbacks to the five doctors. Oh, yeah. Lara. A collective sigh around the audience. I never forget a face. I know you don't. And in years to come, you might find yourself revisiting a few, but just the old favourites. You see, I've always taken him to be the basis for the fourth Doctor's face rather than a future iteration of the Doctor. Although I believe that and there have been stories produced where he's categorically stated to be the final incarnation of the Doctor. But I've never noticed. Why does he have to be anything other than a projection? He hasn't touched anything. I dream about where I'm going. They shook hands. They shook hands. And this is a nice shot, although they have got the yeah. heights and hair wrong. But if the doctor's projecting it himself, then he'd be the only thing he'd be able to, he would be able to interact with. That's a very good point. I'm full of them. The Exomos experiment. Solving fan problems for 15 years. The only problem with the idea of the um, Tom Baker character being a projection is that Clara said he was looking looking for him. That's true. But if she didn't interact with him in any other way than... Yeah, but Adric interacted with the Watcher. So did Nyssa. Mm. And they were projections. Campo, other characters interacted with him. Yep. And if the Doctor wanted to tell himself that he'd been successful, that would be a perfect way to do it. That's just neatly wrapped up that little problem. And it makes sense than being the final, it makes more sense than being the final incarnation of the Doctor because we know that's the Valyard. Well, I've always seen the Valyard between the 12th and 13th of this first regeneration cycle were a couple of regenerations into the second and hopefully not for half a third. Now, I don't have a problem with Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. Um, I have a problem with the way that she's being written for but I don't think she's a bad doctor. I, don't, I just don't think she's had a single good story. I'd agree with that. I just she doesn't sing as the doctor for me. It's just the, as I say, the, um, the quirkiness and the righteous anger scenes don't work very well at all. I don't mind the space ambulance. I know you've said this many times. It's just um, the there are, there are lots and lots and lots of other stories. I would I would prefer to watch. But now that we've started doing randomizer stories, I'm actually being surprised by stories I, I hadn't thought of rewatching. If we are, so, I mean, sooner or later we're going to get a Jodie Whittaker episode with the randomizer. We've bypassed the randomizer for this, but randomizing Doctor Who stories so that we watch something totally that we would not have chosen, I do like. I'm dreading the day when it yes, ends but up. That being, covers every Jodie Whittaker story. I know. I'm dreading the day when it ends up being a series eleven story. Because they all bored the arse off me and were more more concerned with moralising than telling a story. That that we've just watched, it was perfection to me. That was beautiful from beginning to end. Yeah, it's absolutely packed full of tiny little background details that still pick up Yeah, uh, after 
any number of watches. But the first time you see it, it hits you between the eyes with how brilliant the overall story is. That bit in the um, in the cell where it's the, oh, we'll spend 400 years calculating this. And then Clara just opens the door and says it wasn't locked. Stephen Moffat, for all the criticism been laid at him, and I, again, have said the middle bits of Matt Smith's era were terribly overcomplicated. It was a nice experiment, mm. but it didn't really yeah. work. And the whole changing the format from year to year and just trying to mix it up a little bit. Matt Smith's period was a bit of a mismatch. But the 50th anniversary, there's nobody could have done it any better. You could have got all the living doctors back and squeezed them into their costume and tried to ignore the hair and the, the jowls and this, that and the other and pretended it would not have been better than that. No. Although we now have got to the point where we could do a new Who Five We doctors. could. We could do a new Who Five Doctors. And it would be fantastic, so to speak. Um, I'm, and I'm, you'd even have the one doctor that refused to turn up and had to be cobbled in somehow. Can you imagine that ever happening in the classic series? Honestly, <laughs> they all would have turned up for that. That Day of the Doctor, to me, is a slice of Doctor Who perfection. I think that uh, I cannot really find any fault with it at all. But Yeah, I mean, it's very telling that we were supposed to be commenting over it and there were just massive chunks of time where we were so transfixed by yeah. the screen that we didn't say anything. There's no Doctor Who story I can think of. We've done it before where we've had gaps in the commentary, but that is the one, that's the worst example of, of us just not saying a bloody thing because we're so entranced. It's a, a tribute to everybody involved with that. Um, everything you did for the 50th anniversary, the way that you paraded it around the world, marketed it, you made the very most and squeezed every last scintilla out of the brand it was to make that a 50th anniversary. Star Trek didn't do that. Yeah. Star Trek's 50th anniversary came and went and nobody even noticed. And Star Trek is arguably a bigger brand. But was it in production at the time of the 50th anniversary? Yes. It was... Um, what were they doing? Well, they had the films. The, the reboot film. What did they call them? The um, Well, one of them was Beyond... Um, Into Darkness and Beyond. So one of them came out around the time. Um, I think it was Discovery in production. No, I think Discovery came after that. Um, and Enterprise had finished. So, but, so it wouldn't actually have been in production? No, but either way, they could have done something to market. They could have made a film to coincide with the 50th anniversary and thrown everything at it. As it stands, I think it, there was nothing in the 50th anniversary year. Which must have disappointed Star Trek fans. Because the 25th, they got Trials and Tribulations, didn't they? That, that was the S9 thing. Yeah. Which is It, it is. It's fantastic. It's wonderfully done. It stands up well even now. I mean, I yeah. don't know how old that is now. Um, but it's been redone. The, eff the effects have been redone since, the, since it was originally put out. Right. Uh, but either way, I remember um, seeing that at the time and being blown yeah, away by that. Absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, the, the only thing about the 50th anniversary celebrations, and I know I've said, said this you before. You have, and it's a valid the, point. The yeah. five-ish doctors. Mm. Um, and it's not the fact that, that it was made. I think it's a fairly forgettable bit of fluff. It's the fact that it was nominated for the, the Hugos. 
and the fact that it was nominated for the Hugo split the um, the Hugo vote four ways, and something else won. And I, I think it was a Game of Thrones episode, mm. um, but something else won in Doctor Who's fiftieth anniversary, purely because the five Doctors was uh, the five-ish Doctors was was in that mix. You see, I don't and, see the five-ish Doctors as science fiction. That's a but it was put forward yeah. as one of the best pieces of speculative television mm. for that year. Um, however enjoyable you think it is, it does not, absolutely not fit into that no. category. But because it had enough votes, it went in and that split the Doctor Who vote too many ways for it to beat other things. Without that, um, I, th- I think the, um, the one that came second was Day of the Doctor. So without that this would have won the Hugo for the 50th yeah. anniversary year. And that would have been a really nice cherry on the cake thing. Because of that, I wish the five-ish Doctors had never been done. Yeah, I mean, I, I, much as I, I... I enjoyed the five-ish Doctors, it's there. I'm not too bothered about winning awards. I mean, the fact is we got it, and it was really, 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 really good. We got Night of the Doctor. Which is fantastic. Which is a wonderful send-off for McGann. And we will cover in a later edition because um, I've already. Uh, Simon is sat here wearing the beautiful t shirt with the with Last the McGann. The Do- Dr. McGann costume. Yeah. Costume on it. So we're going to do the movie and Night of the Doctor in a future podcast. It would have been very nice, but I'm far, far happier that it was such a good slice of television. We also got, which be- we've not covered yet, an adventure in space and time. Which was oh, which was wonderful. It was ten Absolutely. years too late. Actually, it was that was mooted for the fortieth anniversary, and I'm glad it didn't get made because an adventure in space and time. We should do that, you know. Yeah. That if if you've not seen that, it's it's sort of put forward as the beginnings of Doctor Who. What it actually is really is a biopic of William Hartnell during his Doctor Who period, or a biopic of Verity Lambert. Sort of, but she disappears halfway through. But it, well, she disappears halfway through the Hartnell era. Yeah, so logically. Um, I don't think she disappears halfway through Adventure in Space and Time because it's really her her period setting up because then you've got that that very quick cycle through the new companions. To be fair, yes. So you've got that, that sequence where they're standing in the same place and he's standing alongside Stephen and Dodo and then he's suddenly standing alongside Ben and Pond. Mm. But it is a beautiful piece of TV. I've seen that probably as much as I've seen Day of the Doctor. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that, um, that might be worth a rewatch tonight, actually. It's just... Mark Gatiss, that was beautifully done. It was really, really well cast. Uh, Brian Cox as Sidney Newman. Marvellous. We should do that and with Twice Upon a Time. Oh, yeah, I've been thinking about where we can do Twice Upon a Time. This is another one. I'm in full-on gush mode here, boys and girls. Twice Upon a Time is probably my favourite Capaldi episode. It shouldn't be because nothing World happens. Time. World Enough and Time is wonderful. It is wonderful, but it's trumped by Twice Upon a Time for me. There's no story to it really at all. It's just an excuse to get the first and twelfth Doctors together. It's worth watching just for the performances. Yeah. And, the, and the dialogue so beautiful. I mean, you've got... This is, remember where you parked, it'll come up a it, lot. It's going to come up a lot, you know. It, this is where I don't hold with the argument that Doctor Who fans, oh, you, you just don't like Jodie Whittaker because you're sexist or you're harking back to things were better in the old days. No, things were better 
six months previously. That was it. The, the Capaldi era, like all eras, has its ups and downs. But as we've commented, the Jodie Whittaker era... Hasn't had any ups yet. No ups. There are, within that season, some stories that are better than others. And minor heartbeats, but um, the rest of it, as we said, it's an entire well, season um, of meh. You see, the Taranga one is... is a, It's getting close to average. Um, <laughs> but even that, you've got the whole yeah. fluff bit. Always. Whereas you've got the, the appallingness of Rosa... And that uh, Demons of Punjab. It could have been a lovely historical episode and you've thrown some totally redundant monsters in there for no reason at all and spoiled a lovely historical story. It could have been really, really good. I'm sure there's anything lovely about that. No, 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 no. it's it's not. But you, you can't dress up history and tidy it up and pretend that all this bad stuff didn't happen and edit out all the nasty words pretending that they didn't happen. It was a period in history and it was a, a turbulent, monumental, landmark period in history and you fucked it up. You put in some bloody demons in there for no reason at all that didn't en- enhance the plot or the story. Why did you do it? It was fine with India and Pakistan and the partition. It was fine like that. Yeah, it's not like there isn't enough story to, yes. be able to tell that as a story. And it's just this, we've got to throw everything into the mix. Chris Chibnall, word to the wise, less is more. And that goes for companions as well. And back to dead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Heart rate, reducing, reducing, reducing. Back to Day of the Doctor. Um, I can't think of any more ways to gush over this episode. It is... To me, it was the pinnacle, and to see it at the cinema in three oh, D. Wonderful! I didn't do I didn't do three D. Oh, with all the effort they put into it. I mean, there was this whole preamble with Strax, which is all on the the uh, yeah. the box set, the Blu Ray box set, where he went through in a Strax way, telling you to turn your phone off, telling you to well, get popcorn in three D. I think it was only shown in three D. I may have done. And then you I had remember. the three Doctors who'd recorded a special introduction for it, taking the piss out of each other. It was just marvellous, wonderfully done. Everything that you could have done without over-egging the pudding was done for the 50th. It was a beautiful year to be a Doctor Who fan. So, Stephen Moffat, I salute you, sir. Perfection. And with that... Unless you have any more gushing to do. Well, we have one person to hear from. Of course. There is one last person in the room who has remained silent throughout this Which screen. is unusual for her. It is. I am Persian. Name your price. Miss Siri Van Epp from the Corridor People is sat here smoking a cigarette in her cigarette holder and looking at us expectantly to see what the drag queen index is for Day of the Doctor. I'm thinking about a four. I think really? Oh, that massive flouncy costume of Elizabeth I. You mean her actual clothes? <laughs> well, drag queens tend to wear people's actual clothes. Do they? I really need to research drag queens, yeah. don't I? <laughs> so, so we've got big flouncy costume, tick. We've got lots and lots of resting bitch face. Big, big tick. That's true. Elizabeth I, resting bitch face. Clara does some good resting bitch face. 
Gemma Redgrave. Gemma Redgrave, she does. And Billy Piper. Now, okay, not the clothes with Billy Piper. Mm. That's... Does she do resting bitch face, though? Oh, she does with some of it. The bit four. Bit high. I'd be cruising in the three area, but I'm, I'm going to defer to your judgment on this. You know more about drag queens than I do. What a surprise. Possibly true. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's veering towards four territory. Four out of five, all the years. Siri, are you happy with that? There's a nod from Siri and a puff of smoke. And I think with that, the housekeeping is all finished. We can. It is. Pack up the Sonics for this time. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Happy anniversary, Doctor Who. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always. Have a wonderful fortnight's watching or listening or whatever you do, boys and girls. See you later. Happy Doctor Who Day. The Exton Moss Experiment featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss, and the title music was performed by the BBC Symphony Orchestra. All featured television soundtracks are the property of their respective producers, and no infringement of copyright is intended. The programme was recorded in Rushton, Lancashire, and produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit our website at extonmossexperiment.blogspot.com or find us on Facebook.